I'm serious. All right, we'll see. You're you're building a bunch of hype up. It's about. <laughs> I was not that much hype. I said I think you'll like my topic, Matt. Do you want to argue about rules? Oh yes. Yeah. Do you want me to <laughs> rule changes? Rule changes? When? Where? Right now. Welcome to Practical Shooting After Dark, folks. Right. We're here to talk about shooting on deck tonight. Mr. Matt Hopkins. Hi. Mr. Joel Park. Hello. Mr. Kwanza Kim. Hi. Hi. So anyway, I'll lead off tonight. Guys, it occurred to me that my thinking about rules has been 180 degrees reversed from where it should be. I've historically, Matt and I, we've talked about this a lot. We hated how the rules are always, always changing. I mean, you want stability of rules. It's one of the like the founding principles of the sport. We love it when the rules kind of like they stay the same, and when they change, they change in a very sort of measured way to adapt over time. You know, measured, not not like fast, not also not not every year for sure, like that sort of stuff. So we've never really liked the rule changes, but it, I figure like the way to get out of doing rule changes all the time is we're gonna have to change some rules. You know what I mean? Okay. So then you start thinking, well, in what way should we change the rules? Like, for example, we've been getting some interesting data from USPSA lately. They, they're claiming, what, 40% of the people shooting limited are doing so shooting minor. Yes. Yeah. I hear that. And I'm just like, I don't give a fuck about that because that's like guys messing around at club match. There's, it's not a serious thing or it's an accident, right? The guys who are serious shoot major pretty much period, right? Yep. Okay. But we're reading the data wrong, and we need to start thinking more like the USPSA establishment. Also, right, right. So if I want production to be production again, why don't I just say like, yeah, you can't have, you can't change the triggers anymore. Like it just has to be a factory. Like the physical trigger has to be a factory trigger. The, the response to that would be what, Matt? Yeah, we're kicking these turtles. people out of production, blah, 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 yeah. not legal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah you make a bunch of stuff illegal. That used right, to be okay, illegal. it's not illegal. It's going to go to limited where half the guys are using shit like that anyway. Okay. Boom, done. See, using their own data, it's like half the guys are already fucking around shooting minor anyway. Like, yeah. what difference does this even really make? Yeah, but, but they wouldn't be competitive against a major guy. Right, and then they wouldn't understand why you'd want to have, like, why, why can't you modify a production gun in this way? Like, why is this bad? Why this can't like, they shoot the gun that they, they bought before the sport? Right. Know, right, yeah, why not? Yeah, so, I mean, anyway, that, that was part of my thinking. I thought, if but if you want to kill production, USPSA has been doing a great job doing that on their own, and they should just fucking carry on with that if that's what the goal is, because <laughs> they're doing a bang-up job. How many years do you think they've got left in it right now? Infinite. No, in production? Well, how many years are left in Revolver? <laughs> like, when are any of these guys going to vote to eliminate a division? <laughs> like, yeah, never. activity credits, right? It's infinite. It never ends. <laughs> yeah, but activity credits. Oh, my God. Well, anyway, it was just a thought I had, Matt. I mean, I think that there has to be, like, the, the fix for this. I, I'll just say this. The fix for the problems we have with our division rules is to change a lot of rules all at once, kind of like a, a reset. I'm going to push the reset button in some way that is fair to the most people and then go from there because this is the, the the thing we have going on right now is it is really a mess so honestly like talk about me running for area director like one of my my 
my legs of the stool, right? I've been thinking about this a lot lately. Like, there's two legs on my stool right now. I haven't found a third yet, That's, but these two are what I'm two Two's not a good number, Matt. <laughs> so it's a, it's a, I don't know, whatever it is. So rule stability is like one of the number one, and then competitive equity. Those are the two key things that I want to run on, and I want to fix. Why? Fuck that. Fuck that. No, no. I'm sorry. Don't run on. Don't run on that stuff. Like to me, that stuff is a given. Like if you're, no, if you not. don't, no, it is not. I know it's not, but it, but I'm just saying, like to me, it's a given, and you shouldn't even need to talk about that because people know what you're about. You should be. You shouldn't be. Let me put it this way: you should be running against USPSA establishment. You should be saying, "Hey, I want term limits for area directors, like yeah. two term like limit, that. like day one, like." I'm talking like structural changes that are for everyone's benefit, even if they don't like it. We do like running on stuff like term limits, like more tra like actual transparency yeah, but at the board also meetings. Also, running on rule stability and competitive equity would be going against the USPSA establishment, also, right? Well, sure, but they they put play this bullshit game about how <laughs> you know that's not really the case. They start like you know how they are. You know how they do. So, I mean, no, just run against the establishment because they, they really do like, suck. That's already, <laughs> like, figured out that I'm not. No, you're not going to you're not gonna play nice. <laughs> Nor should you. Well, Joel hasn't talked a whole lot. He's waiting for another topic. He's probably going to say, yeah, Kim, what do you got? All right, Joel. <laughs> Matt, and I have, Matt and I have talked enough about yes. this. Yeah, yeah, I just need yeah, a Iowa license and vote for Matt. So, yes. Iowa license? Yeah, Iowa yeah. is area driver's three. license. Driver's license. You need a license, or you just pick change the, your address the, on USPSA? No, I'm just saying, like, if you're moving to area three, Mr. Kim, pick Nebraska. You don't have to go to Iowa necessarily. Wait, <laughs> you should. I'm not trying to insult anybody from Iowa, <laughs> but I would think carefully about okay. that decision, my friend. That's the only area three region I know. <laughs> Other than Illinois, of course. Illinois That's is not, awesome. not Illinois. No. <laughs> Illinois is area five. Nebraska, oh, okay. sir. No. We need to come, yeah, come train at my place. Go to Minnesota. Well, it's, it's, it's pretty boring here too, actually. But Minnesota's not bad. That's All the right. biggest city, probably in area three, right? Omaha. Minneapolis. Oh, Minneapolis. Yeah. yeah. Like, I think Omaha'd be bigger, wouldn't it? Or I don't um, know, because there's that like the metro area is totally different. Make Minneapolis proper. I don't know how big it is, but they, as far as the metro area, the Twin Cities is probably bigger. Oh no, St. Louis probably would be. Oh, there's St. Louis. Uh, one of them. Well, we should move on to talk about something interesting. Should. <laughs> Joel, what do you got? Uh, I'm gonna talk more about this carry optics Glock that I've had so much fun messing around with. Um, so I like the advice Ben and Kim have given of putting a paste or a tape over the dot. See or over the front lens. I'm sorry. So when you look through the optic, you can see the dot. But if you like hard tunnel through the optic, uh, you're not going to see anything other than the pastry you put up. But One of the most uh, common pieces of advice I give in class, by the way, I had a, actually had a private lesson a week and a half ago, and like the guy fired, I think ten rounds. I'm like, hey, I've got something we're going to try because <laughs> <laughs> I like it's like know. it's ten rounds in, and I see like the guy's like posture changed. I could tell like yeah. Anyway, um, so. I was actually, well, I, this is my first carry optics gun, I guess. I've always had iron-sided guns. And even just the housing and the glass, honestly, was kind of annoying to me. And I kept catching myself looking at, like, the glass, the housing, just all of it being in my way. I just wasn't used to it. 
Um, so what I actually did was I dry fired with the dot turned off for a bit. It's like it was like a form of training wheels for me. Um, I turned the dot How off. How long was the bit? Uh, maybe five minutes okay. each uh, each session for the first maybe week. So I had like five minutes. I would start out just looking like. And I even caught myself, like, I would see the frame of, it's, a, it's an SRO, the frame of that, or I'd look at the glass, and i see, like, reflection, whatever. It was just in my way. And so, like, for five minutes when I'd train up or I was getting warmed up, I would be doing, like, transitions, not even pressing the trigger, but just, like, looking at a precise spot on the dry fire target, bring the gun there, and then, like, catch, every once in a while, I'd catch myself observing the frame of the optic or the window, whatever. So I'd do that for, I don't know, three, five minutes, and then I'd turn the dot on low. And uh, that really helped me a lot as a form of training wheels to get to the point where I didn't stare. It, it wasn't even staring at the dot. It was like just the housing, having the whole chunk of metal in my way. So, and then uh, I developed a strong preference when shooting it. I like the dot. I think I learned this from Ben, maybe. But I like it very dim. It's bright enough that I don't have to look for it, but I don't like it. Like turned all the way up so it blooms. It's too in your face. So I strongly dislike that. So I did that. I uh, When I was getting into the dot also, I had the the dot super low. I never turned it off, but I had it super low so I wouldn't like get drawn to the dot itself. Mm -hmm. All right, guys. All right, actually, Matt, I'm going to ask you this. Yeah. Or just to get your read on it. So my feeling is that with dots, well, dots and fiber, they, they're kind of function the same way. You want to train to be able to overcome the dot even when it's too bright. So yeah. even like inadvertently that can happen if you, especially if the, the bay has different lighting conditions in one half to the other or something like this. How did you address that, if, if at all, in your training? Um, the, to, to go into the dot? Well, because what I'm saying is when I'm listening to you, you're like, yeah, I train with the dot really dim, right? I I'm did, like, yeah, start now. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the correct way to do it, I would say. I mean, that's smart. But then you also have to get used to shooting it when it's bright and maybe even when it's a little too bright, you know? Yeah, yeah. So you get what I'm saying? Right now I'm running the dot basically as high as it'll go. I only turn it down like if it's overcast. <laughs> oh, wow. I'm you are, using, I'm not you using are a madman, Matt. I'm not using an SRO, though, so okay, okay. I got to get that juice going as high as it'll go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm using. So maybe uh, your dot just doesn't have the problem of really being too bright. I don't think it does actually like indoors. Yeah. Obviously like yeah. not on a range, like indoor dry fire that thing cranked up a lot. Yeah. It's pretty bright. Uh, so I do t turn it down on some of that, but I do practice with it pretty much at blast all the time, like turn it on and it's like at 10 power the whole time. So. Um, another thing about doing the tape trick uh, that I learned from these guys is it also gets rid of with SROs that double dot issues a thing that happens sometimes that uh where you're looking through the scope and you'll see like a it looks like a second dot off to the side or a, you know reflection whatever if you run the tape over that lens um that takes care of that issue also so if you were on a stage i was actually training with my homeboy kenny and uh he's like oh you're getting the double dot thing he's like oh he's like yep that'll fix the issue I'm like oh i hadn't thought of that so anyway if you're on a stage or you're in you know frost proof whatever and you're getting that issue like putting tape over the lens fixes That's that as well question for Kim, but do you think there's long term where people are leaving the tape on all the time? Do you think that makes sense? Not for a long term. No. So would so you'd only use it for a short term? Like how long? Like Yeah, you you train 
like that with the you know optic covered, and you learn the concept, and then after you learn the concept, you just take it off. So what he's saying is that when you're able to self-identify, like you don't need the optic cover to know that you you tunneled in on the dot. When you don't need that anymore, there's no point having it. Exactly. Okay. That makes sense. And I have like 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 training wheels sort of where I've like the dot off, then I have it covered, then I have it completely off. And for me, like I knew I was doing it. And for me, the telltale sign that I was doing it was I'd see like every little movement the dot would make, and I became like hypercritical of it not being perfect. And that was part of the problem. It's like, cause I was staring at the dot and I wanted it to be perfect. And when I stare at, like I shot a match with it, I had the thing for like two weeks. So I'm like, yep, it's cold, whatever, let's go, let's go. And I didn't stare at it once. Like I would just look at the spot, the dot would show up there and I'd smash the target. Um, but like that was a lot of training wheel. I think I get, yeah. I guess to get to that point. And about that, you can definitely, you should definitely try with the iron sight too. So uh, I've been practicing side by side past couple weeks, uh, irons and red dot same time to try to match the time. So I should red dot first, and then I try to match the time with the iron sight. So so before I did that, I just aim at the target with the iron sight on my eye line. So I have my eye, uh, iron sight and the fiber there. And then I would 100% focus on the target, like zoom into a specific spot on the target. And I would observe what the fiber, how blurry it is. And then I tell myself, okay, that's how blurry it is. When I 100% target focus to a spot, I'm going to see that blurriness of the front sight every single time on that specific target. So the concept of zooming into the target, not being soaked into the red dot or the front sight uh, is simply experiment. Try with the red dot too. Just look at the target, zoom into a spot, bring the red dot, and then actually bring the focal depth to the red dot too and see what's the difference. Uh, iron sight as well. If you change your focal depth to the front side, yeah, the target goes blurry, doubled, or and the sight goes super sharp, things like that. You just change the focal depth target to sight, target to sight, and then see what the yeah, objects look like. So, Mr. Kim, it sounds to me like you're working on just a more advanced sort of confirmation drill type of thing where you're checking different types of confirmation or focal depth changes exactly. and seeing what effect that has on your hits. Hits and also... Clarity on the front sight, how blurry it is. Also, the red dot. Is it fuzzy or more of a blurry, um, like a glowing dot? And yeah. as you've been working on this, have you been surprised what you can get away with? Have you been surprised Very. how tight you need to be? Extreme. Yeah, tell tell us more. What have, tell us more about that? How you've been yes. surprised? So before uh, until like 2018. Uh, Yes, until 2018, I always shot iron sight with a different prescription, so my right eye can see the sights clear. Now, I just shoot it with a regular dot. I have astigmatism. I cannot physically see the sights clear no matter what I do in, with the focal depth. So in that kind of case, I am opt to shoot with a blurry sight anyways, but depends on the focal depth, how blurry becomes different. It could be the fiber color could be like a big sun, like a six MOA red dot. If I am changing my focal depth to the front side, it could be looking like a two MOA red dot. So in that kind of case, trying to shoot red dot in a certain drill and shoot iron sight right after that, I had to experiment with the vision part, not with how fast I can pull the trigger because the hits are not gonna be there. I'm not only trying to match the time, I'm also trying to match the hits. So I immediately figured out up to around 12 to maybe 15 yards, 
Uh, I have to shoot iron sights just like a red dot, only seeing the color of the fiber, not changing the focal depth. So of course, 100% target focus, not changing the focal depth, or even checking the nice alignment. I'm not even checking the alignment. But after 15 yards, uh, I cannot match the time with the same accuracy with the red dot because now I have to ch uh, check the alignment. But again, I'm not changing the focal depth. I am aligning the site with a completely blurry site. That's not something that I did before. Uh, before 2018, my default was when, if I am checking alignment, I'm going to be always checking it with front side focus because things are sharper. But now, because of my eyesight too, I cannot physically focus and get it sharp anyway. So I am shooting up to 25 yards with completely blurry front and the rear sight. So, uh, Kim, so that was really helpful. What you're yeah. saying right now, I try to explain this to people, and they mm -hmm. always look at me like I have a dick growing out of my head. <laughs> right out of my forehead. Yeah. Maybe even crooked. Mm -hmm. Like they look at me real weird. Yes. But you're confirming, yes, target focus all the time. You can't even not do that if you want to, and you'd be shocked what you can get away with. Yes. And I was just shocked how just, well I can shoot with the blurry alignment. Yeah. And your, your experiment where you're like, yeah, at, at about 15 yards, you hit this point where you just can't keep up with the dot anymore with yes. the irons. And mm -hmm. I find yeah, I find the same. Like, you just get to a point where, like, yeah, I can't keep up anymore. It's like it's like the dot is so much more precise at distance to aim. Yes. Yeah. Fantastic. My topic actually is somewhat related to uh, this topic. Let's hit it, baby. Oh, yes. So uh, there's a couple abilities in our sports that really rewards. So like when I say ability, it could be like athleticism, how powerful you, your muscle and how you know fast fiber muscles, things like that. Or it could be uh, your strategy. You have just better plan than anybody else. Or it could be hand-eye coordination. And I think hand-eye coordination is the most rewarding ability in our sport so uh, I, I would recommend people to like this whole off season just try working on the hand-eye coordination but before I describe a little bit more I want to uh, share something Ben told many many years and it stuck with me all the time is Ben's analogy is if you want to move your mice on a computer you look at the spot and you bring your mice pointer to where you're looking at so I ride motorcycle, not anymore, but I used to ride motorcycle a lot. Uh, one thing that stuck to me is when you're going around the corner, you don't want to look at your wheel. You, you're going to fall over. You look at the end of the corner and then guide your body to that corner. So uh, this, what this means, this actually, I wanted to share this because on the training group, I gave this uh, advice to a couple of reviews and also I got a message about this question. Uh, the common issue a lot of shooters have is, hey, if there's a plate rack or four steels side by side, on the third and the fourth, I start missing. The first two or first three, I start hitting it right, but later ones, I'm just missing it. So in this kind of case, I mean, Ben's, Ben's been teaching this for a long time too. It's a more of a hand-eye coordination related to vision issue. You're not looking at the right spot to move your body parts. So the first shot, when your dot or the front sight stops, you you may be starting on the looking at the right spot on the plate. But as you shoot, ting, 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 the vision goes back to the front sight or vision soaked into the red dot. Now you're not 100% zoomed into a spot on the plate. 
now you're looking at the you're tracking the red dot or whatever so, it is for you. So if we're if you were doing if you're working on a practical shooting training, yes. If you're working on the drill drill practical accuracy, remember that's where you're going to shoot at a precise spot on a target. Pop 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 pop. Just in time with the recoil of the gun, the gun comes back down. Confirm alignment. Pop. Yeah. One of the common errors that's in that book that's under the corrective charts is going to be the one where you start shooting and you start looking at your front sight or your dot and the hits track away like up and away from your point of aim yes 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 Isn't that's it? in a way yeah if you are trying to Got track you covered, the dot, baby. Or, yes if you're trying to track the dot or if your focal depth shifts to the front sight or the dot after shot after shot it's in a way you're driving a motorcycle you started looking at the corner and then you start leaning and then you immediately bring that sight back to the wheel and you're no longer looking at where you're going. This, this is coming from That's somebody who probably laid it. a motorcycle down a few times. <laughs> yes, more than a dozen times. I have back issue, neck issue, <laughs> ankle. That's what happens when you come from South Korea, guys. <laughs> so, change your mouse. If you go from a, one mouse to a new mouse, you'll notice how you're not as precise and not hitting the same spot because the speed's different on the mouse. That's a good point. Yeah. That's a good yeah. point. So how can we actually practice this is something I mentioned already before. So I would, if it's an iron sight, I would look at the target, bring the gun up on my eye line, and then I would shift my focal depth. So look at what the front sight looks like when it's 100% zoomed into a spot on the target. That's how blurry it is. And you want to maintain blurry sights that you can think of it that way. Of course, the result should be you're looking at the spot, 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 zoomed in, zoomed in, zoomed in, zoomed in, not losing that. So it's almost like a measurement drill for how you're looking at the sites or target focus, right? Visually, yes. Yeah. Yes. Mr. Kim, mm -hmm. you're the smartest guy in this show. That's why you're Professor Kim Thank from you. now on. I don't want to hear any different <laughs> from anyone. All right, folks. That's it from us. Uh, thank you so much for listening, and is this Happy New Year too, guys? Yeah, uh, yeah, yes. I mean, does you guys give a shit? I mean, twenty twenty, what a year! <laughs> what an absolute dumpster Historical. fire! Just like this fucking podcast. 